if somebody were to give you a surprise right now, like what would be like the best surprise? A nap. Like they Mm. put an hour into the day that I could just take a nap (laughs) because I'm like exhausted, but good, like happy, energized, but also exhausted by all of the wonderful things and hard things going on in my life right now. A nice nap. Hi friends, Camila here at Introverted Improvisers with another Spotlight interview, highlighting the way improv shows up in the lives of others and how our unique gifts contribute to magical improv results. This episode, I chat with Zan. Zan is basically a unicorn that also clearly needs a nap, according to that intro clip, because she is constantly flying high on rainbows of ideas, bright rays of sunshine, fluffy cloud hugs of energetic empathy, and lands on a whisper with her wings. I met Zan, of all places, in Knoxville, Tennessee, doing a CrossFit class while she explained to me her passion for aromatherapy. There are three things in that sentence I have no idea what to do with, yet there I was, present with her and feeling very much at home. I told her a little bit about the fact I did improv, and she was interested, so we connected a bit on social, but then we totally disconnected for a couple years. But because I was following her, one day I think she posted a picture of either her first or last day of her very first improv class online with UCB. I believe this somehow opened up a conversation on improv, and hey, would she like to do some scene work on the introverted improvisers end sometime? Let's skip all the obvious, and now Zan has a practice scene work duo I coach one to two times a month here at II. I love what Zan brings to the table and what she brings out of me as an instructor. There's a bit of a trigger warning here that Zan has been through quite a bit of grief and trauma in her life, and she speaks somewhat openly about loss and developing self-esteem after a lifetime of severe self-doubt and undiagnosed ADHD. At the same time, this has brought her to her journey as a Reiki and EFT practitioner, as well as wellness coach specializing in helping people, especially women, reclaim what Zan calls their wild authenticity. Zan helps people explore what it means to hold space for themselves as they truly are, and you can read more about that on her website listed in the show notes at thesaltywild.com, and that is salty with a P, P-S-A-L-T-Y-Wild.com. She is one of the few people I know in improv sessions that holds pause as long as she needs to, which you'll also hear in the interview as well. She takes time to think and even lets me know when she feels herself shutting down or has a brain fart without any apology. So often we are conditioned to push through or even coach through brain farts, treating them as "Eh, no big deal, it happens, mistakes are gifts, that sort of thing. Yes, and Zan's honesty about perfectionism and shutting down, plus the way she demonstrates holding space for others in her business and interpersonal relationships, has really opened up my eyes to being a more empathetic leader at II. I noticed that addressing the shutdown and allowing it to be there with compassion, or even just taking a full-on timeout, can be a great gift to the whole group in terms of cohesion and energetic flow. After all, improv is largely about listening, which includes listening to the needs of others. And on that note, I'm sure you'd rather be listening to Zan at this point, so let's introduce Zan and her five things about Zan. Cool. All right, Zan. Um, so five things about you, five things that make you uniquely Zan. 
Okay. Five things that make me, me. The Zan version. I named myself Zan. It is so Zan to change her name. (laughs) To just one day be like, I am no longer Sarah. I am Zan. I am silly and fun. I'm deeply empathetic and caring. I am brave and strong. Oh, I love deeply. Ah, okay. Yeah, like really, I love deeply. Let's unpack the brave and strong. Why did that come to your mind? And do you have a story behind that that illustrates uh, your bravery and strength? Mm. I'm willing to walk into hard situations with my heart open and because of that willingness, I've learned how strong I am. And what comes to mind as an example is um, traveling up to New York a few years ago to say goodbye to my best friend who is dying of um, brain cancer. And it was my birthday. And I had just found out like she was dying. and. I got on a plane going there, not knowing how in the world you say goodbye to the person you grew up with, um, who knew, well, speak from the first person, how in the world I say goodbye to like my sister, this girl that I grew up with, who knew she's the only person who really was in my life still that knew me as a child and really knew me. And, um, But I went anyway, and I was present to learn how to do that and had the most beautiful time with her. Yeah, so one of many stories like that where I learned that I can survive things that I never thought I could survive, and I could keep my heart open in the process and not let it make me closed off or bitter or angry. Mm-hmm. That, that, um, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, why do you think you had it in you to do it and be so open? I don't know. <laughs> I have a deep belief in the universe um, and just felt so supported by love along the way. And there were just all these little moments that were like magical moments, which seems so bizarre that there would be beauty in the midst of death, but just so many beautiful moments of connection between me and her and just seeing how much love there was everywhere around her. Um, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to give words to. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Language sometimes fails us. <laughs> <laughs> I think that resonates with how I know you as a person, as somebody who feels deeply and is deeply intuitive. Yeah, I think I'm just someone who believes deeply in, yeah, in intuition and guidance and connection and being deeply supported. And so even walking into something hard like that, I'm always like looking for, for the magic, for the mystery to happen. And like, always excited and curious, like, oh, where's it going to be? What's going to happen? Well, thank you so much for sharing that deeply personal experience. And I'm wondering what helped you move through it such that you can express it so openly as you do right now? Yeah. And her death was one of um, 12 that happened in three years span. And obviously I wish that none of the people I love were dead and that none of the other people who love and lost them were suffering. But my own personal experience was of just experiencing so much grief and walking through it. It just transformed me like who I am, like recoded me Mm -hmm. and me this person I am today that has capacity to sit with and be with others in their pain and their discomfort and not turn away and not feel uncomfortable and not be like, Oh, I don't know what to say. I'm just like, yeah, dude, me too. You can, all of you is welcome here. Oh, um, and let's sort of shift over to that. Um, when you say all of you are welcome here and you help people find their authentic self in that space, um, with you and for themselves, what do you do with and for other people? And then maybe we talk about how you're finding still some of your authentic authenticity of, of your own being. Well, my own journey has been um, interesting. <laughs> I have 39 and a half years of undiagnosed ADHD and not understanding myself and um, thinking something was wrong with me and not really fitting into the places I was as a kid and definitely not celebrated for who I was. And um, so I've spent a lifetime trying to cut off and hide parts of me and feeling shame for parts of me and not embracing the um, unique person that I am. And I think that that is unfortunately something that happens to a lot of people that regardless of ADHD, but just, um, you know, living in society being conditioned by our schools and our religions and our families and our social norms and what television says and, you know, what music says we should be like and who has value and who doesn't. Anyway, so we come through life and there's all these things about me that don't fit what I'm supposed to be. Um, I wound up, I found myself really living at odds with who I was. And it's been a slow process for me for like the last five years of embracing who I am, discovering who I really am. Uh, I like to talk about my wild authenticity, but similar language would be like my authentic self, my true self with a capital T. I think 
people talk about this in different ways, but like who you really, really are, um, not who you've been conditioned to be. And so I've been on this journey of recovering, reclaiming and discovering who that is and um, healing the wounds of, I talk about the trauma of the stories that, that we make up to fill the space between how we think of ourselves and how we think we should be. So that, that has been my work is recovering, reclaiming this wild authenticity, healing the stories of that I made up about myself and then like stepping out and becoming her, which is how I wound up getting into improv and comedy and all of that. And so my work is in supporting others, creating safe space for them to ask the really hard questions that they may not be able to ask anywhere else and just space for them to like unpack that and look at that and um, practice allowing that person to emerge because it's, it's uncomfortable. Like it's not comfortable letting yourself do things that you have like held in for so long to be long, to be safe, to be loved. And so helping people have safe space to explore that and just try it on in little teeny tiny bits. So what is your daily work that creates that space? So I support that and that work is through coaching, but then I also support in healing the narratives um, with guided EFT tapping, which really helps with changing mindset and beliefs about ourselves, reframing our stories and creating new stories and helps to release the like energetic trauma of that as well from the body. And then I further support that with Reiki doing healing for emotional and um, emotional, mental, and spiritual healing for holding on to all of those stories as well. And how I came to work with you was through yoga. And so are you still doing the yoga branch of that? Still very much a part of my personal practice. Yoga is still very much part of my per- personal practice. And I do offer some yoga. Actually, I'm just starting a yoga class just for people with ADHD. It's called Squirrel Yoga. <laughs> and it's on Zoom <laughs> um, because a lot of times folks with, with yoga or with ADHD get bored in yoga. And so I call it a gentle exploration of movement and breath with an extra dose of fun. to support the nervous system and emotional regulation of folks with ADHD. We do some good dancing and shaking in, in squirrel yoga. Yes. Um, I I have done yoga with you and it's, (laughs) it's very, it's, it's actually, it's so it's playful. So it's interesting. You know, you ask us to observe other things, new things, uh, self massage, stuff that I have never had in a yoga class, but that seems to complement yoga really well. It's kind of like, duh. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Well, and as you know, I should mention, when we're talking about improv, I always think of my yoga class as yoga meets improv. Like it's very improvised. I come in with a general sequence of poses that we're going to do, but like super committed to just being present and in the moment and like saying whatever, like, comes up. And um, so it's always really fun. I never know what's going to happen. And it's really playful. And it's always exactly what it needs to be. Mm, Awesome. And let's that's a really good segue. You are an improviser. And where does that show up in your work? 
I'm learning that I do best when I allow myself to be fully present and improvise versus trying to prepare, like really prepare for something and have something memorized. Um, my brain just kind of like gets very stressed out and forgets everything, including my own name <laughs> when I try to do that. And so I'm learning more and more that the way I do everything is the same as like, I do prepare in that I learn, I learn um, how to do EFT. I learn how to listen. I learn the, the knowledge that I need to have. And then I just trust that it's there. Same thing in actually doing improv. I learn the, the ideas and sort of the air quotes rules and um, they're in there. And I think I integrate them and they become part of me. And then I show up for whether it's Reiki or yoga, or I did my first stand up this week, show up for that. And um, if it's improv, like show up and trust that I can just like go and be present and let, let it flow. Like it just feels like flow. Yeah. And so for like people who maybe haven't experienced EFT or Reiki, is there something specific you could say that, so, you know, I have, I sort of maybe script a meditation and I will improvise after I've met the person or um, um, like, what kind of specifically are you improvising? Yeah. In EFT, it is completely improvised. So I meet with someone and they have, they are coming to me because they have something they want to work through, either a belief or a feeling or a thought that they want to let go of. And we talk about it for a little while. And like, again, I'm just taking in the information that they're providing and sort of like allowing that to like swirl around inside of me. And then I improvise a tapping script. And with EFT tapping, there's these points on the body, um, the tapping points that are connected to the um, energy energy meridian. So if you think about like acupuncture, acupressure, it's those same points that, that we're tapping on instead of using needles. And there's a specific way you tap through them, like in a specific order. And you just speak the words as you tap through. And so what happens is the, the script for them is just completely improvised in the moment based on the information that they have given me in the beginning of our time together. Yeah. I mean, you really can't go in with a plan if you're, if someone's coming to you with a question. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. I have like a basic formula of how I do tapping, um, which is at the beginning of the, the tapping process, just acknowledging what's coming up with like compassion and love and, that we accept ourselves, even though whatever feeling is happening, like we're not trying to bypass it and push it away. It's like, I'm having this anxiety and I still love myself. Mm -hmm. So there's that part. And then there's this middle part of talking through it. And then this end part of like, where do you want to go? What do you want for yourself? Like that's the general like formula for it, but everything Mm -hmm. in there is very improvised. So for Reiki, how does that work work? Yeah, it's the same thing. There's like a standard way uh, that I do Reiki the way that I was taught, which is um, working systematically through the chakras from head to root um, so that you would you would move from one center to the next to the next. 
So I come in with that idea and of a way I open the session with letting the person know what's going to happen, answering any questions, asking if there's anything they specifically want to focus on. And then um, once they're settled, we'll do a little grounding meditation and then do the actual Reiki session and then close with some grounding and talking. So that part is, you know, there's this structure there that I follow and I I always start with the head center, but um, it's, it's, oh, it's different for everyone. I'm always guided to like what they need in the moment. And it may not have anything to do with those energy centers. Um, So I just go where I'm guided. (laughs) And that sounds very much like improv. And say, (laughs) say somebody is, you know, more towards, um, you know, being a practitioner in their life. They do EFT tapping or they perform Reiki. They're a yoga teacher. Um, why would, because it's so clear to us how improv shows up in that, let's say the flip side, why would a yoga teacher or a Reiki practitioner make a good improviser? Yeah, I think being grounded, grounded but even more, it's like present. It's the ability to be present and set your thoughts aside to be in your body, um, to feel, to feel emotion, the, wherever all the, you know, brilliant inspiration things come from, like being open to allowing that to like kind of flow in. Yeah. My impression would be that, um, people who work with like EFT, Reiki, those things specifically, or that, you know, you're helping people eliminate sort of their self-judgment. So, you know, not saying that that EFT practitioners, Reiki practitioners don't have self-judgment. We all have stuff we need to work on. But it seems like they would be more accepting of uh, of making mistakes in improv. Maybe that's not true. <laughs> oh, I think that just depends. I'm so hard on myself for making mistakes. <laughs> I think that the people that wind up in these professions doing this work, um, you know, and so that has some kind of healing capacity to it. We wind up here because of our own wounds and our own stories. And we see how these practices help us so much. And we want to share it with others. And we understand what it's like for other people to struggle with that. Mm. So, um, and of course, you know, I have my unique brain that, that really struggles with perfectionism and being right and, but I'm, I'm learning to let that go through improv. Like really like the improv is teaching me that like, it's okay to make mistake, that the mistake could be the nugget of gold that my supportive scene partner or partners might pick up on and, you know, create something we never could have created. So I'm learning to hold more space for, I'm doing air quotes, mistakes. Yeah. And so maybe we could talk, speak to that instead, whereas... Do you, did you sort of naturally take to improv or is, has it been a bit stumbly for you? One thing that's been hard, like, and originally when I first started improv was I spent like my whole life not allowing myself to be seen and thinking that like everything I thought um, was stupid and I had nothing of value to say. Like that really was like my operating belief. Um, And so stepping into improv and like allowing myself to like 
share my thoughts or ideas or the things that popped in actually felt like threatening in the beginning for my nervous system. Mm -hmm. And I actually, the reason I started improv was because of everything going to zoom because of COVID. And I was able to take a class with UCB, uh, United uh, Upright Citizens Brigade and which is kind of a funny place to start because when you think that your ideas are stupid because it's like one of the best places in the country. And I was in a class with all these people who were actors or writers, like super talented people and um, and me, <laughs> which I now know I am a super talented people, but I didn't, part of me must've known that to like have the gumption to go do that. And my first teacher was like a comedian and, I knew who she was, like I'd heard of her. And um, so it was really scary to let myself be seen in that setting where I have this belief that my thoughts are, you know, and ideas are stupid. But what I found by letting myself out was like, oh, I'm funny, like, or I have good ideas or people love, like, you know, like they were, it was so encouraging to step out in that way. Um, but my, it, it, my, my brain is, continues to be, um, a little critical and it's, it's getting better. It's getting a lot better because it would get in my way, like that I have to say the exact perfect thing or something I'm going to say isn't good enough. Um, and honestly, like that fear was probably there in the beginning of my doing EFT and Reiki. And as I just like lean in and trust more and more that like, I am exactly as I should be. And like, what I have to say matters. And like, I add value to whatever, you know, whatever it is, the conversation, the improv, the, um, and just trusting, like trusting that my voice matters. Um, those, those thoughts go away. So they're like almost completely gone with Reiki. They're pretty rare and EFT pretty rare, but improv, they still, they still show up, but they're getting, so much better, um, in part due to my brilliant improv teacher, her name is Camila, um, and, and the, the space that you create, um, to explore and feel safe and like just sharing the other improvisers struggle with this, these same things, like letting me know my experience is like pretty universal. It's like helping me more and more let go and it's getting less bumpy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, and you do have a beautiful voice and unique perspective and it is such a joy to work with you. And I, again, it's so strange because technically your improv journey is, is very short in the literal sense from the sign up of your first class to doing some stuff with me. But I have a feeling improv has sort of like permeated your life. You have an entertainer inside you that just didn't come out. But what what were the, what were those entertaining dreams throughout your life up to improv? Yeah. Even though I my journey in actually doing improv is fairly recent, like there's this sense that I've always been very improvisational. And that got me thinking about this connection between improv and uh, improvisation and intuition and how I was sharing earlier about going to say goodbye to my friend who was passing a few years ago in New York and just following intuition is what took me to all the, the small bits of magic that happened on that trip. Like the, just listen, just listening to the little nudges, um, at one point I went for a run and I like 
felt guided to this park and I went to the park and there wound up being this group of men practicing their bagpipes playing mm-hmm. <laughs> like beautiful music in the middle of my run and I just like was crying and I found this magical beach park that I didn't know existed even though I grew up on Long Island and um so yeah thank you for that that comment because I see this theme of a connection between improvisation and intuition and that that has always been there even when I didn't consider myself a creative person or a improv like an an improviser yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah well I will I will answer your question (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, when I was a kid all I wanted to do was be on Saturday night Saturday night live like that was all I wanted to do I was such a goofy goober silly child and this was like the time of will ferrell and mary Catherine gallagher and uh, mike myers was linda richmond for coffee talk like oh my gosh it's like all i wanted to do and um i unfortunately had this horrible horrible man as a teacher and because i went to a specific kind of school he was my teacher for six years And, um, I, there were a lot of talented kids in my class. It was a very small class of very gifted people. And the teacher really celebrated the students who excelled at things and favored them and didn't really encourage anyone else that they, their contribution also mattered, that they could also be really gifted at that thing in their own way and that the world needs them and their art and their magic just as much as the others. And so the, again, the message I internalized without any like good guidance from a nurturing supportive educator, um, the message was like, well, I just shouldn't act and my voice doesn't matter. And so share with us how you've recently sort of been re-emerging I had totally forgotten this piece of the story until recently. Um, I played Rip Van Winkle around the age of like, I want to say I was seven. And I was the star of Rip Van Winkle. And for folks who don't know the story, Rip Van Winkle drinks some kind of beverage from some like magical forest sprites and then goes to sleep for like a very long time. I can't remember how many years it is. And I completely forgot about this. And I was recently talking with a friend because I've been reclaiming um, being a a creative person and dare I even say artist and lately. And I was telling my friend about this story that I just all of a sudden remembered and realized like, oh my God, because my version of the story was like that part of me that loved to perform and was silly and dreamed of being like on SNL and just making people laugh. Um, I felt like that person died. But as I told this story, I realized, oh, she didn't die. She's been asleep on stage with Rip Van Winkle. (laughs) (laughs) Were you asleep that whole time and suddenly? That whole time. Yeah. Yeah. Two years ago, I I got this piece of news that kind of was life altering. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. Like after all these people di- have died like this too. And I was like, my response was like, 
well, I guess I'm gonna have to start doing comedy because it's the only way. And so I enrolled in improv and like threw myself in. And the first class I did, I was like, my face hurt from smiling so big because it was so much fun. And something inside me was like, yes, Mm -hmm. we have been waiting for this for so long. Okay. And so share with us your big news that I know that I consider very brave of you. Just this week, I did my first stand-up open mic and (laughs) (laughs) so the whole day leading up to it, I was just like a little kid. I could not even, I seriously couldn't think straight. I got no work done. I was just like buzzing, like, like when you're just excited about this huge event. And, and were was, you nervous or were you like excited? Were you like, I mostly yeah, I was excited. I wow. was mostly excited. I definitely had very polarized standards for myself. I was holding space for that. I literally could stand up there and my nervous system could completely freeze and that that would be okay. Like I told myself, if that's what happens, that is okay. Like if I just stand up, just stand up, that is enough. So I held that in one hand, but then on the other hand, I had expectations of perfection. I tried to get up there and not have any notes for my very first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got up there and like couldn't even remember my name at first. When I got up there, like I don't know where this person came from because she was expressive. She like stood confidently. She made these faces. I got to see pictures later, and she made these great like expressive faces, and um. It was incredible. It felt incredible. It felt so good. And then when I was done, the girl producing the show was like, you were made to do that. I was like, oh my God. Yes. Like I thought so, but I didn't know if I was just crazy, but yes. Um, So I, this is also surprising to me. I did not know this was in there, like, but I love it. And that's, what's been like sort of whispering to me, like even going into this as improvisational is like there was this whisper this pull this tug in my heart to to just be like well we're gonna do comedy now and and I just said yes and I take these steps and I have no idea where it's going I have no expectation for it I'm just like I'm just gonna keep following it because it feels fun and it feels good hmm. Hmm. that's a great note to end on uh, I think as people say in improv you know follow the fun or follow the fear And I love it. And I look forward to hearing more soon from you, Zan. You are a fabulous improviser. I love working with you. And you're also just a wonderful friend. Thank you, Camila. Ditto, ditto, ditto. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Cool indeed. Zan is super cool. Upcoming for her are more projects galore. Things we didn't get to cover today is that she's launched her own podcast, Wilding Well with Zan Zoe. And Zan is also extremely musically inclined, growing up playing violin from the age of three to 18. These days, she dabbles in ukulele and writes and records songs for all kinds of projects, whether personal tunes as messages for loved ones to being hired to do intros to other podcasts. How wild is that? Be sure to check out Zan's set accompanying this episode, which actually showcases a touch of her musically inclined improv, as well as her willingness to jump into character, emotion, and fun. And finally, huge moment of awe here. That set comes from our first session together. I hope you've been inspired to tap into your wild authenticity today, and maybe that means joining in on some improv fun. If so, Introverted Improvisers is here for you because we'd love to hear your voice 
and we've totally got your back. 